0: we had our first rally and at that rally we were told by the experts they said do not do rallies don't have people out nobody goes to them you might get five people six people do not do it we had 200 people out at the first rally because people know that we've got to start standing up we've got to start doing things we've got to start acting and and on our beliefs and going out there and doing things because we are ready to fight for this country And one of the first things I said at that rally was that elections have what? Consequences. Elections always have consequences. And we have we seen that in the last year? They have consequences on who gets into the Supreme Court. They have consequences on who is voted in and who's uh, confirmed to be federal judges. They have consequences as far as the election process that you just heard about from Fred. They have consequences on what they teach in our elementary schools and high schools and colleges. Exactly. Lord have mercy. And you know, everything that happens in this nation, so many things that are going on are a direct result of who we have put into at the local level, the state level, and the federal level, because they're making the decisions, and they also are the ones that are appointing the people to different positions that make those decisions. Does that make sense? That's why somebody from California, Becerra, can write up our propositions and purposely deceive people. Do you guys remember that? Eh, 145 was a good... You know what? I I think you go to a Pentecostal church, don't you? I like that. I like that. (laughs) AB145 is exactly right. Good deal. So are we. I like it. What about Proposition 6? Remember that? Yes meant no, and no meant yes. Right? So people were calling me, I don't get how I'm supposed to vote on this. And I said, well if you vote no, where it says property tax, that means yes. And if you vote yes on property tax, it means no. And then there was Prop 47 that has tied the hands of our police, our law enforcement, and they called that the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. They lied. And it's because of who we have put into office. Some of you know know John MacArthur. I read this the other night at a a meet and greet we had with ice cream. And John MacArthur got in front of his entire congregation and he said, here's the list from the state of California, elected officials, that said these are the requirements for you to meet on this facility. And they said this, first of all, no indoor meetings. Second of all, you have to give a list of everybody that attends your outdoor meetings and we have to see the schedule. Nobody comes on the site until we see the schedule. They said everything has to be prearranged. They said um, only allowed for scheduled events, as I mentioned. They have to be screened by taking their temperature, take a survey before they go in. I'm going to try to memorize this because the lights aren't quite uh, bright enough. Um, they said that you have to have lines that show with six-foot pacing to the restrooms, to everywhere you go, and that all the rules that they include in this letter have to be posted all throughout the facility. They said that you have to have monitors making sure that they do that. Then they said restrooms should be used during the service because they didn't want them too crowded in between services. No hymnals, no church Bibles, no hugging, no offering, no singing, uh, no holding hands, no communion, and so forth. Do you think they put a different burden on the church than they do at Lowe's? You think so? I do. I think they put a little different burden on that. So I would just uh, tell you this. You know, I, I've seen things right now that I never, ever thought I'd see, where good is evil and evil is good to so many people. And I'm telling you, that's why it's resulted in $2 billion of damage with BLM and Antifa, where the values have changed. They've, they've justified it. And then the people that do get arrested the district attorneys let them out. And what does that teach you? It says, oh, they got away with it, we can get away with this. So $2 billion of damage, over a thousand police officers injured or killed. Think about that. And it's all a result really of who we voted for. One thing that is so important to remember is that a minority group of people can control a majority A minority group of people, that means the small group of people, can literally control a majority. They've been controlled in uh, Minneapolis. They've been controlled in Portland. They've controlled Seattle. They've controlled New York. They've controlled Baltimore. They've controlled Los Angeles. It doesn't have to be a large group of people that take control of areas if they're allowed to. But I was listening to Jim Caviezel, you know, that played Jesus on the Passion the other day. And he gave a quote that I will say at almost every meeting I'm involved with, and that is this. Ronald Reagan said this, Evil, evil is worthless. Evil cannot take place. Evil is powerlessness if good people are unafraid. Think about that. Evil is powerlessness or powerless if good people are unafraid. And we've gone along for so long being afraid we're going to be called a name, haven't we? So it's silenced people. Oh, if I disagree with somebody, they're going to say I'm racist. Or if I think we should have legal immigration, they're going to say I'm racist. Or if they say that I'm, you know, we're so afraid of names. And so this is, this is one of the problems that we have. I want to turn my phone on so I can read the rest of this because there's a couple of points that I think are so important. There we go. I wanna tell you about some of the people that are fighting because this is like no other election that I've seen. I wanna tell you about one group that meets every Thursday night. It's our Hispanic group. It's Hispanics for Cooking Ham for Congress. They, yeah. And I will tell you something. These people are on fire. They are on fire. They're going into churches now. Every Sunday, they go to churches. I have one lady that's a Catholic that's a volunteer. She goes in there with all my flyers, and the priest is like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm doing the Lord's work. That's what I'm doing. This guy's pro-life. I'm doing the Lord's work. And she goes at it with these people. And Mary, Mary are you here? She's not here? All right. Anyway, uh, she just goes at it. She's the one, by the way, that had the, the Trump you know, mask on that recruited Matt back there. But she's unafraid. Evil is powerless when people are unafraid. The group that brought the flags up here, that's our JMAC group. You know who a lot of that group is? They're older people that fought right alongside Americans in Vietnam. They saw things that I hope none of us ever see. And they see the destruction of socialism. They see the destruction of communism. They saw horrors that we can't even imagine. And I will tell you a story. I went to Hmong New Year and I was up on a trailer and I began speaking to the group of people there about my candidacy. And a very revered general, General Chang, came up on the stage with me. And so I said, oh, are you here to interpret for me? Because I was told I probably would not need an interpreter. And he said, no. You speak, then I speak. I said, okay. So he, I finished speaking, and then he grabbed the mic, and he began talking about the horrors of what he had witnessed. And I didn't know this till afterwards, because I had a friend there, and she interpreted what he said. And he talked about the horrors of Vietnam and what ha- he had seen, and he said, this cannot come to this country. We have to stop it, and we have to stop it now. And then he went like this. And seven other generals and majors walked up onto that stage in support of liberty in this country. And then General Murphy, who fought right along with these people, about a seven, I'd say about a six, three foot high guy, he's in his 80s, and he began to speak. He's got dual citizenship uh, Jewish citizenship, Israeli citizenship, and American citizenship. And he began speaking. But this group is passionate because they see this country moving in a direction that they've already seen the results of in Vietnam. And they want to stop it, and they are working hard, and they're talking to people, and they're educating people. There's people that go out every week from 12 years of age to 82 years of age. We had a person I told the story the other day, that, uh, and she is here. I might even have her stand up uh, where she went out with my wife and they went door to door and she was attacked by a pit bull, 81 year old. My wife ran over and pulled her back. The, the pit bull was on a chain and uh, got her to the hospital. People started gathering around before that to stop the blood and, and so forth. By the time I got home from Los Banos that day, she was on my front deck hanging out with my wife and my mother-in-law talking, and guess what? Four days later on Wednesday, she was out for three to four hours canvassing again. Loretta, come on, show them who you are. That's Loretta. That's the kind of people we have working with us. So we've got all kinds of people. But I'm telling you tonight, we have to fight at the local level, the state level, and the federal level in this election. And it's not going to be easy. This is all about anarchy versus order. Anarchy versus order. It's about lawlessness versus safety. Did you know the biggest numbers of people that are leaving right now are leaving from those cities that I mentioned earlier? Because they say it's not safe anymore. So it's anarchy versus order. It's lawlessness versus safety. And it's socialism Versus liberty, we choose liberty. I believe that you are here and I am here for a time like this. I believe the people in this crowd could have an influence in the next 28, 29 days, whatever it is, till November 3rd that could influence literally tens of thousands of people. I believe that if we get on the internet and we are using social media and we are talking to our neighbors and we're talking about conservatives that we need to vote for and you have a sphere of influence. I have a person here tonight that I met a realtor a while back. He has a sphere of influence of 5,000 people on social media. Many of you have hundreds on your social media and those people are going to trust you because they know you far more than they trust some sign they see along Highway 99 so we can have a huge influence here. And it's us, it's the patriots that are gonna do this. Because not only can we win, we will win in November. I wanna close with uh, just a little reminder of what happened with our founding fathers. Because I believe that there will come a day where people ask us and say, What did you do in 2020 and beyond to protect your children and your grandchildren? What did you do to protect the Constitution of the United States? What did you do to protect freedom of religion? What did you do to protect my right to bear arms? What did you do? So I want to read this to you. The 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolution Army. Another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. Nine were farmers. And large plantation owners, men of means, well-educated, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKean was so honored by the British that he was forced to move his family, so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in Congress without pay. That'd be nice. And his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. He urged General George Washington to open fire on his own home. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution. These were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security. This is the most important part. They had security, but they valued liberty more. Standing tall, straight, and unwavering, they pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence. We mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They gave you and me a free, independent America. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's stand up. Let's act up. Let's fight for this country. We need to do it now, and you are the ones to do it. You have been made for this time. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again.